Thanks for listening to this week's message. We want to hear what God is doing in your life through the ministry of Res Life Holland. If you have a testimony, please email us at info at To learn more about us or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on Facebook or visit rlcholland.com. Jesse was talking about during the time of worship where he was talking about, you know, some of you come, come here and, and you feel like you're in this situation to where it's like you're doing everything that you can and nothing's giving. Nothing, nothing's, nothing's happening. And actually the title of my, ser- my uh, I almost said sermon, message, the title of my message is Are You Stuck?, because there are times in our walk in life and in Christianity and everything else where there's this time where it's just like, I'm doing everything that I can possibly do, but I'm stuck. I don't know what's going on here. And it's like Jesus Christ has given us this new life. He's given us this, this clean slate where we get to start over. We're washed white as snow. And we live this life where we're supposed to be unashamed, unrestricted, unafraid, unreserved. And all of a sudden, some of those things start coming back onto that clean slate and it starts to get dirty again. And it's just like, I'm so stuck in this area. This thing keeps coming back into my life. The reason I have a a picture of a pool up there is because we can use the analogy of of a beach ball. How many of you have ever tried putting a beach ball under the water before and holding it under? It's almost like it wants to pop back up again. And and I've heard other, other pastors and stuff use that analogy as that's what sin is in your life. You know, you gotta you got to hold it down, but it wants to pop back up and all this other stuff. And, and so we're in the pool and we're holding this beach ball down and we're hanging on to it. We're doing everything that we know how to do like Pastor Jesse was talking about. But we're still hanging on and we're still wrestling with this beach ball. Right? Let me ask you a question. What if the rest of the pool and the rest of the people that are enjoying the rest of the pool and all of the area around it, what if that's where we're supposed to be instead of in the shallow end wrestling with the beach ball? What if that beach ball is something that's legitimate in our life, but what if the rest of the kingdom is what we're supposed to be focusing on and that beach ball is just supposed to float in the shallow end? Sometimes a breeze, sometimes God's spirit can blow in and just blow the beach ball right out of the water. But we're always focused on the beach ball. And I think it's just because we just have a wrong understanding. We just have a wrong understanding of what Jesus actually really did for us. You know, Jesus didn't just come so that we could go to heaven. Is everyone okay with that? We hear a lot that, and I've probably even said this, we hear a lot that, you know, the Bible is God's rule book or God's guidebook or God's instruction on how to do life. And that Jesus came so that we could go to heaven. And now we've got this instruction book so that while we're here on earth, we can learn how to act right. Jesus didn't come so that we could learn how to act right. Because if all we're trying to do is act right, who's doing the work? Us. If all we're doing is struggling with that beach ball on the shallow end, who's doing all the work? We are.
Jesus came so that he could set us free from the beach ball. Not saying that the beach ball doesn't exist, but he came to set us free from the beach ball. Jesus came to set the captives free, okay? He came to set us free. Jesus came so that we would have life. So he came to set us free so that we would have life and have it abundantly in order so we could seek the kingdom first and then have everything else added to us. Nowhere in there does it say follow sin or even this. this we, even, we even understand that we shouldn't follow sin, but it works this way, even towards good intentions. So even in the pursuit of freedom itself, it still leads us to bondage, if that's our only focus. See, we can have something that we're struggling with, and we can be going to God about it, but then all of a sudden it's just like, let's say I struggle with rage. If my main focus is rage, I'm still hugging that beach ball on the shallow end. It's amazing how people who don't know God understand this more than we do as Christians. You see a lot of people that are successful in life, successful in business, successful in marriages, that don't know Jesus. And they don't seem to have the same struggles that we have as the church. If you look at that, it's like, what, what gives? They're more focused about living life than they are their junk. See, we understand the truth that Jesus came to set us free, so what we do is we say, okay, Jesus came to set us free, so I'm going to start working on that. I, I, me, I'm going to start working on that. I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do devotions. I'm going to go to Starbucks and, and, and have coffee talk with my friend. Uh, but it's legit because we're talking the Bible. And um, let's see, uh, I'm going to go to church three times a week. What are we doing? We're taking over for God. Those things aren't bad in and of themselves. But if that's how we think we're going to be set free, then we're actually putting ourselves back in bondage again because we're putting the weight of it right back on us. We're still in the shallow end while everyone else of the world is enjoying the rest of the pool. And I think sometimes people look at us as the church and they're like, there's no way I even want to go to church. These people are some of the most miserable people that I know. And it, it, it's not saying that we're, we're bad people or we're miserable people. We understand how we're supposed to live, so sometimes we short-circuit the system by taking over for God. So let me, just, let me just read a couple things, and we'll see how far we get here. So in Luke 4.18, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. So in other words, to set the captives free and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me so that I can set the people free. Us, who once were in prison to our own thinking and own understanding of how to do life, and separate from God, he came to set us free, to bring us back into relationship with God, and to do things according to him, in his way, in his nature. 
John 8.36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There's this element of freedom here. But both of them, both verses, both scripture references point towards the freedom coming from Jesus, not our own effort. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So there we see Jesus is saying that I came to set you free. I came to bring you life. And out of those things, that's where the seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be added comes from. So he came to set us free. He came to bring us life. And from that, we are to seek the kingdom. From that, we are to go into the world and live our lives according to the way that God designed it. From that, we're, go, we're to go and enjoy the rest of the pool, not hug the beach ball in the shallow end. So if Jesus didn't come back, come here and do what he had to do in order for us to know how to live and follow rules. And if that's kind of our understanding of we got we to gotta just hang on and do the right thing until we get to heaven, if that's not what Jesus came back for, we have to understand why he really came back. And the way that we understand what was lost is to go back to that place of where it was lost. So we're just going to go really, back, really, really quickly back to Genesis because this is where it all went down. You notice that in Genesis, when it's telling the story of Adam and Eve, that it doesn't say anywhere that Adam sinned. Like, he didn't sin. He didn't have bad behavior. So Jesus, Jesus didn't come back so that we could have good behavior. I want you to look at this with me for a minute. Genesis 2, uh, we'll skip down to, to 7 just to shorten this up. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil was in the garden. So here's this picture. When God originally created man, he breathed life into him. Okay? So right there, that's a picture of where we should be. We should be, as a child of God, at a place where God is literally breathing life in us. We contain it, and it flows out of us. Also, I want to point out that with us being spirit, soul, and body, God provided all three in the garden. He breathed life into Adam, but then it also says that he also put food there for him to eat because he needed to eat. He needed to nourish his body. Let's, let, let's move on to verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So God created man to be connected to him, to share that very breath with him, but he also designed him with purpose. He designed him to work the land and to keep it. God designed man 
to carry his nature, have a purpose in life, and expand that nature across the earth. Jesus didn't come back so that we could follow rules the right way. Jesus came back to connect us from the source that we got disconnected from. Jesus came back so that we could be in a right relationship of God to where he's literally coming to us, contained in us, flowing through us, so that as we're not hugging the beach ball in the shallow end, we're out in the kingdom expelling his very nature into everything that we do. See, if we're focused on the beach ball, we aren't expelling that nature into the world. And that's where I think people of the world, they, they look different to us. They look like they're doing well because they're living life. If we're hugging onto the beach ball, we're not living life. We're still in bondage even though we have Jesus. See, God created us and sent Jesus so that we can live with him like this, him and us. And from that place going forward, here's the thing. We don't deny those things like rage or sin or anything else. We don't deny those things, but as we're doing this and those things come, it's like, okay, Lord, this just came into my life. Or you just revealed this to me because you don't want it in my life anymore. You have a way. Your word says so. What's your way? How do we deal with this? Let's take a look at this. And I'm trusting that you, you are going to blow this beach ball out of the shallow end because I'm not even going to hug on to this anymore. I don't want it. I wasn't designed for it. So just use your spirit and blow it out of the way and let's continue to move forward. I know that sounds a little bit simpler than what it is when we're going through stuff. But I think the more we complicate it, the more complicated it gets. God wants things to be simple. And he has a way in every single one of our situations. But then God said to Adam, he said, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So what happened was Adam and Eve, instead of living from a place of this, they got sidetracked and they started doing this. They started doing this. They said, you know, um, we know what God said, and he has provided everything for us, and from him we get everything. From him we get our knowledge, our understanding, our wisdom, and everything. We understand all this, but you know what? I think I'm going to go with what I feel to believe is right. So I'm going to eat of this tree. What they got exposed to was something that they were never even meant to handle. The things that we're exposed to in life, I truly believe that we aren't even supposed to understand fully. Stress, anxiety, uh, things of the world that, that we see that we can't even comprehend that sometimes weigh us down in life because we're, we're focused on them so much. Those are the things I believe that God was really protecting Adam from in the first place. He's like, I don't even want you to have to deal with this. I'll deal with it. You stick with me, and I'll show you everything that you need to know. I provided food for you. I provided a purpose for you. I provided life for you. 
I provided everything that you need. Come to me for every single thing that you need. And from that place, spread my nature out into the world. And Adam was like, eh, I think I'm going to try it this way. Whoa. Not a good decision. If we move ahead to Genesis 3, to speed this up, after he made that decision, God said to him, he said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What's the opposite of love? Fear. So Adam disconnected himself from love and became afraid. He was naked and covered himself because he was ashamed. Or shamed. He felt shame. The minute he disconnected himself, he got away from the place that he was even supposed to live life and spread God's nature. Let's jump ahead to Genesis 3. We'll go all the way to 22. Because of this, this is what, this is what God said. Um, you know, he, he, he curses, curses the snake and talks to Adam, talks to Eve, and, and says, here's what happens because of your decision. But in, in verse 22, God says, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed a cherubim. God was not intimidated by Adam because all of a sudden he knew things that God knew. He's God. It's kind of hard to intimidate God. What I believe he was saying was, now that he understands things that he was never supposed to understand and he's going to have to carry the weight of that for the rest of his life, we don't want him eating from the tree of life, that tree of everlasting life, because he's not even designed to live this way. There's no way I want man that I deeply love and I deeply care about to have to live life eternally like this in this state. He wasn't saying, oh, great, Adam's just like us now. Now there's four of us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Adam. Now... <laughs> Now there's four of us. What are we going to do? We only got a three-seater. No. He's like, no. He's not supposed to live like this. I don't want him to suffer this way the rest of his life. I don't want him to eat from that tree of life, that eternal life. Because that life would suck. That might be some translation other than Greek. I don't know. <laughs> Bottom line is, there are times when we see things based upon our understanding and we don't get it. God's always sharing new things with us and deeper revelation of, of who he is and how we are to think. Oh, you can come up right now and play keys if you want. There are times in life where we think we know that we're seeing things correctly. Because we know God's nature, he doesn't want us struggling with certain things. But as a result of it, we seek relief from those certain things based upon our own strength. Jesus did not come back 
just so that we could go to heaven and hang on to beach balls the rest of our life. He did come back so that one day we would get to heaven. But he came back to set us free. To set us free from every single thing that we've tried to do to make our life according to the way that we know it. He said, because of what happened to Adam in the garden, hang on, I want to go here a minute. Think about this. We all fall into this trap. How many times a day do we reach out for the tree of knowledge of good and evil? I would dare say that at least a handful of times every single day, you and I say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to do it this way because this is the best way I know how to do it without even checking in with God. Could you imagine what would happen if Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have come back? Every single time we would have made one of those decisions, it would have been like, okay, boom, you're out of here. Okay, boom, you're out of here. But because we have to make those decisions every single day, and sometimes we choose to eat from that tree, because we have Jesus, we are made right with God automatically. It's almost like we have a garden inside of us, and that tree's right there inside of us. So Jesus didn't come just so that we could get back to heaven. He came to put us in the right relationship with God so that we have that full access that we were totally designed for. He came to bring us back to a point to where God can come to us, flow in us, have us contain that, and have him flow through us. So that when we do make that decision to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right then and there, we don't have to wait 2,000 years for Jesus to come back again. He already came back. He's saying, okay, okay, you missed it this time. You missed it this time, but because I care, because I love, because I sent my son Jesus, let's just get you right back on track again. Or hey, did you ever think about doing it this way? I believe what God's wanting to say today is if you've been focused on that beach ball and not out of like, like a bad heart or or anything like that, but just out of the desire to want to become more like him. If, if you're so focused on that beach ball, I feel like God's saying, if you're focused on that beach ball, if you're focused on that thing that you feel like it's preventing us from having a relationship, that, that you feel is like it's the thing that's, that's stopping you from being more and more like my son. He's wanting you to know that desire is what drives you. Your desire for freedom is driving you. But if your desire for freedom in one specific area or two specific areas or a certain area of your life has created this bondage to where it's actually holding you back from living your life, God's saying it's time to let go of the beach ball. As you can see in Genesis, God created every single person with a purpose. It said God created man to work the ground. Every single person in here has a purpose. But if we're grasping the beach ball, we're never going to make it to the rest of the pool. 
we're never going to fully live our lives to the fullest that God created us for in the kingdom. So everybody just stand up really quickly. Just go ahead and close your eyes. And if there is one of those beach balls in your life, and it, it, it could be anything. It doesn't even have to be something bad. If there's one of those beach balls in your life that you feel it just keeps popping up out of the water, God's just saying to you right here and right now to let go. Whether you can do that internally in your mind where you just say, Father, I choose to let go and I'm handing this over to you. Or if you say it out loud, or if you have somebody pray with you after service about this, whatever it looks like for you, I feel like God's just saying, take your hands off and let my spirit move it out of your way. So Father, any obstacle right now that's presented to you in this room, we just come against it right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that by your spirit, these obstacles are gonna be removed so that people can walk into their destiny in life, so that people can feel that freedom that they're longing for in a new way. Father, bring revelation and understanding to the people in this room and to every person that hears this message so that they understand the life that you created them to live in a new way. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done here today, and I just, I ask that it doesn't stop. As we leave these doors and leave this building, Father, I ask that you continue to give us revelation of who you are, deeper understanding of your son, Jesus. And because of that, the world is going to start to see Res Life Holland in a whole new light. I desire for the day to where Res Life Holland bypasses and surpasses the rest of the world with joy and love and laughter. Success in life, success in business, and success in encouragement. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.